Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this is a review of the quiz cases from May 2006. Uh, these are our 10 uh, excellent cases that hopefully you got correct. First case revolved around cardiac CT, and I was asking you an anatomic question related to the uh, vascular anatomy, and here were the images, and I asked you, in this case, what would be the best diagnosis, and this is just a beautiful 3D volume rendering using InSpace on a somatome sensation 64 slice scanner, which nicely shows the right coronary artery arising off the left cusp. Just a beautiful visualization going between the pulmonary artery. And so when you uh, look also nicely, you see the left main coronary artery, LAD and circ. So this is the uh, very simple answer from this question that the right coronary arises from the left coronary cusp. About 1% of patients will end up with variations in coronary anatomy, and as we do more coronary artery CTA, it's not surprising that we're going to see them more frequently. Okay, let's go to another case. I asked for the best diagnosis in this case, and again, it's a cardiac CT, and you can see by the answers I'm asking you about a vessel, and here it is. What's the abnormality? Well, look at the size of the patient's uh, left main coronary artery as it goes to the LAD. Uh, you can see that typically the coronary arteries in the four millimeter range. 1.5 times normal is an aneurysm and you could see, look at the size of the LAD, it's at least 50% larger than the patient's uh, left main coronary artery. And so when you go back and look at the answers, the obvious answer in this case is annual dilatation of the patient's left anterior descending coronary artery. And if you got that, you made the right diagnosis. This was a uh, etiology unclear in this patient. Coronary artery aneurysms are seen in Loewy's-Dietz syndrome and Takayashu's aortitis and Kawasaki's disease. Kawasaki is the one that's classic. Okay, let's move on to the next case. What's the best diagnosis? And you can see in this case, I'm giving you a uh, question related to the patient's renal artery, obviously. Look at that beating of the right renal artery. This is a thing of beauty. There is nothing to think about. Fibromuscular dysplasia. Again, this was poorly diagnosed on uh, four-slice CT or one-slice CT, but at 16 or better, where we can scan fast enough and thin enough, fibromuscular dysplasia is easily recognized on CT. And I'm sure you got that correct. And let's stick with the renal arteries for the next case. And I asked you what would be the... Uh, diagnosis in this case. And here's a nice example of a renal artery aneurysm. Renal artery aneurysms we are not that uncommon. We see many of them. Some are calcified, some are partly calcified. This one's not calcified. Over 1.5 centimeters, one typically has to do something about them. And this is just a very nice example of a renal artery aneurysm. Okay, let's leave the vessels for a second. And this next case, I'm asking you what the diagnosis is. And you can see we're down in the bladder. And look at that set of images. Very nice example. And at first you might think a terp defect. Well, that's not the case. This is a classic cystocele. We're doing more and more CT urograms and more and more CT cystograms. So this is something you need to recognize. Okay, let's consider that an interlude for the next cardiac case. And I asked you what's the best diagnosis in this example. And when you look at the series of images, you can see that the patient has an aneurysm of the right versus the left coronary artery. You've got to think about it. Where is this vessel located?
Well, this is the circumflex coronary artery dropping posterior. This is an aneurysm of the circumflex uh, coronary artery. Very nicely shown in this example. Very unusual case and one that uh, uh, patient presented with a typical chest pain. Okay, what about this next case? What's the best diagnosis? You can see it's something regarding the stomach. This is a gray case, smooth tumor in the patient's antrum, well-defined a couple centimeters. There aren't many things to think about. Classically, we used to call these lyomyomas. Now, the correct answer would be a gastric gist tumor. We think about them as large ulcerating masses, 10 to 15 centimeters or so, but they have to start somewhere. And with thin section TT, with water and good contrast, we're seeing these gist tumors more commonly. Okay, what about this next case? And this is a very good case showing you one of the advantages of 3D imaging. On the axial CT, you see what looks like a little dot or calcification. Maybe it's a pill, maybe it's a stone. But when you put it in 3D and you put all the pieces together, you see a catheter. And obviously that catheter should not be in bowel. That's a broken biliary catheter that has traveled down. And uh, we followed it for a few weeks till it traveled around the colon and out and escaped and found freedom. And that's a good example of uh, catheters. We have seen a number of cases like this. Just the other day, I saw a progression and movement of a wall stent. So it's something to be aware of and at times easier seen in 3D. Okay, what about this next question? Again, this is a vascular type question. Two very impressive volume rendered images. Look at the extensive collaterals on the chest wall and in the mid axillary line. And when I render into the middle of the chest, you can see that the SVC is occluded. First of all, if you see collaterals like this, it's always SVC occlusion. You see collaterals going along the diaphragm, the classic hot spot in the liver. But just a beautiful example, and you can see that uh, the collaterals do then extend centrally, involve often renal vein and IVC, and that's how the patient keeps the blood flow with, through these collaterals in a patient with SVC occlusion, and this typically represents uh, chronic SVC occlusion. Beautiful 3D rendering, if I have to say so myself. Our tenth and last case, what's the best diagnosis in hepatitis C patient? And again, without looking at the images, you should say hepatoma, because if I'm going to give you a mass, that's probably what it's going to be. And it's a very nice 3D rendering. Here's the volume display. Here's the MIP showing you the neovascularity, showing you the AV shunting. Now, with hemangiomas, we get peripheral enhancement. With cholangios, we get delayed enhancement. With hepatoblastomas, we get calcification, necrosis, and modeled enhancement. With hepatomas, we typically have vascular masses with neovascularity, and neovascularity is best seen on volume rendering and best seen with MIP. So that's 10 outstanding questions. Hopefully, you got all 10 correct, or at least now you know why you should have gotten them all correct. With that, I'll sign off and say, See you next month.